This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet today is underway here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, happy Wednesday! It's Logan Gordon across the table from myself, Aaron Vickers, Mr. Vickers. How are we, sir? You wouldn't believe the run of luck I'm on right now, Logo. Really? Air conditioning's working in the condo. Oh, Just got baby. the vehicle back. Was in the body shop for over a month after sitting two months damaged after somebody decided to blow a yield sign. Ooh! Everything's coming up, and I get to sit across the table from wow. you. Wow! Coming up roses. Two out of three ain't bad. Don't sell yourself short. That's fair. Yeah. It's good to have you. It could be worse. uh, It could be Steinberg. It's true. Absolutely. It could be Pat. Don't want Uh, that. We are sitting in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. And we got a show for you over the next three hours. You can keep it locked right here off the top in just moments. We'll head to the great nation of Sweden. Welcome in our pal, Ufe Bowden, head of sports media for every sport group, but one of the more connected voices across the pond, Mr. Vickers, when it comes to Swedish hockey players. And the Flames have a couple of Swedish hockey oh, players, huh. if you haven't noticed. Are they in the news lately they for any particular reason? The, yeah, they might have been in the news lately and... Thought maybe it'd be a good chance to check in with what's going on with maybe a Michael Backlund, Elias Lindholm, who is as connected as anybody uh, when it comes to uh, Swedish hockey players. So we'll He's check the in. man in Sweden when it comes to hockey. He's been nice enough to give us some translations on some uh, recent Swedish articles involving Flames players. So we're looking forward to chatting with Ufe. He'll join us in just moments. In the 2 o'clock hour, you know her, you love her. Haley Salvian, Hockey Central 960. And uh, women's hockey coverage for the Athletic. There's a new professional women's hockey league, Aaron. And this one has some potential legs when it comes to finally uniting the front of women's hockey and perhaps giving the women a a stage that they deserve going forward. But we'll chat with Haley, who covers all things women's hockey for the Athletic and can give us the latest on how players are feeling about it. We still don't know what this new league is called. How everything's going to work out, but we'll get the details with Haley and just checking on some general hockey topics with Miss Salvian. And then at 3.30, uh, always fun to chat with this man, Nick Lewis, Calgary Stampeders legend and uh, receivers coach for the group this year. They're coming off a big win against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday, and they're getting set to take on the Ottawa Red Blacks on Sunday. The offense showing up a lot more on Saturday than they have all season long, so a good time to check in with Nick Lewis, see how he's feeling about Jake Mayer, Stamps receivers on the injured list. Some guys have stepped up, so looking forward to checking in with Nick. Plus, we've got a bunch of uh, RFA and UFA news today. We'll dive into that 
a little bit later on here in hour one, Aaron, as we're getting some deals done with arbitration on the horizon for uh, pending RFAs out there. So Vegas was busy. Winnipeg was busy. We'll get into some of those coming up a little bit later on this hour, but uh, we'll start in just moments. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Ufe because yeah. the the Flames numbers that we're talking about are, are really, I think, key to this. And, and I wonder how much gets lost in translation sometimes between, you know, these articles that we pick up and, and what's been said. And, and, you know, you suggested Ufe because of his longtime relationships with players and his presence in Sweden. And I'm really looking forward to maybe getting some clarity on this because I think the Flames would like some clarity too to know what's going on with two really key guys down the middle in in Backlund and Lindholm. Well, you're talking about the number one and the number three center for the Calgary Flames that both, you know, come mid-September, might be in training camp, both might be gone. We don't necessarily know the full situation, the full story, the full intentions of what's going on. But those are two key values. You want to talk about one, Michael Backlund, the longest tenured flame, active flame right now. He's, what was he drafted? 2008, and we're on 15 seasons in the organization. It's been a while. And then you have Elias Lindholm is the organization's first true number one center in how long? So we're not talking about minor pieces that may or may not be, you know, shuffled in or shuffled out. Like this is a, as much as we talked about last season, last summer being a summer of change the Calgary Flames, we've already seen it. New GM, new head coach, new AHL coach. Tyler DeFoley's already gone. We're talking about significant changeover for the second sum- second consecutive summer. Yeah, and you're right. I think right now the biggest question, I, I think the Noah Hannafin thing gets gets settled by the time we get to that too training yeah. camp. But the the Backlund one, the you know the question marks around Elias Lindholm and how long for the Calgary Flames, do you wait with a contract on the table before you go to Elias and say, look, look, there's been enough time here, right? And and I know that the message from Craig Conroy and from management from the entire start of this thing is, we're not going to push anybody out the door, but I said this a while ago, and I'm curious if you agree, sometimes no answer is an answer, right? Like, if you're not going to get a clear yes or no from the player, it kind of feels like you are getting an answer from the player in some way, shape, or form, right? I mean, with that yep. kind of yep. money and that kind of term on the table, Not that's small. what it feels like for me. Should, so, Should we ask the man that might know? I think that we should ask the man that might know. Uh, very happy to go down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this hour. Uh, welcome to Ufe Bowden, head of sports media for every sport group. Ufe, thanks for doing this today. You're on with Logan and uh, Aaron. Hey, guys. Good to be with you. Hope you're doing well. I got to ask you, let's start with the guy that I've been pestering you about all week for translations and updates in Michael Backlund. <laughs> and one, I appreciate you being ready and willing at any time, given the eight hour time difference. But uh, you had the chance to catch up with Michael Backlund at the NHL Awards. I saw you guys having a little bit of a chat. And from my understanding is he's told you much of what he's told others. What's uh, what's your thought, your feeling, your conversation like with Michael Backlund as it pertains to his future with the Calgary Flames? Um, I think he's uh, taking his time to really, really, really think through this because it's obviously a huge decision for him. He has turned 34 years old, and uh, he's, uh, I mean, he's come to the understanding that he might not have that many seasons left uh, in the NHL. Uh, although 
mean, despite he, he played maybe some of his best hockey uh, last season, actually, despite the, the struggles that the Flames had, he, I think he turned in a, a really solid performance. Uh, and uh, for him, it's not about the money, obviously. It's, it's about getting that chance to, to compete for the Cup. Like, I think many veterans uh, in the league, they come to the conclusion that, uh, I mean, late in their career, when, when they haven't really... Um, won anything. Uh, I mean, uh, Michael Backlund has won a, a world championship with Sweden, which is all, I mean, it's all good and dandy, and I, I think that's something he's really proud of. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's a completely different thing to be uh, to be part of a, you know, a, a Stanley Cup winning team or just going really far in the playoffs, and he hasn't really had the chance to do that. So I think that's sort of weighing on him, uh, and I think he knows that uh, he might have to to move away from Calgary uh, to get that opportunity. You mentioned the the thought weighing on him a little bit. Do you get the sense in your conversations with him that he's conflicted a little bit? Because you're right, on the one hand, and he said this in exit interviews in our conversations with him in Calgary media, first and foremost, he wants to win in Calgary. He wants to bring a Stanley Cup to Calgary. But failing that, he still wants to win somewhere. Do you get a sense that there's a bit of an internal conflict about leaving the place he's kind of known home for 15 years versus going and chasing a cup elsewhere? 100%. I mean, it's no, it's no secret that he loves it in Calgary. And, and, I mean, he, it's basically his home now. I mean, both his kids and, I mean, his wife have a really strong uh, relationship to the city as well. So this is, I mean, Calgary's home for him. So obviously, I think, Number one for him uh, would be to stay, and I think I think I actually think there's still a chance he might uh, stay. I think it's all. I mean, this is going to be a, a huge defining season for the Calgary Flames, Flames in so many ways. And I think just if if they can find a way to have some kind of success uh, early this season and and you know compete for a playoff spot, I think that would make it much easier for him with his decision. But uh, um, obviously, also it's a lot about what, what you know. There are a lot of teammates that are in his uh, situation as, as well. I mean, uh, Elias Lindholm for one, and I think obviously these guys they talk to each other and just sort of get a feel for where they're at. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any proof of this, but obviously when Yannick uh, Gaudreau decided to to sign with Columbus, I'm, I'm sure Matthew Kachuk uh, made maybe his decision a bit easier despite what he might have been telling you guys in the media over there. But I think it's the same here. It's, it's, uh, they're going to chat with each other and, you know, just get a feel for where they're at because I think everyone understands if, if, uh, if there are several more key players that decide that they're not going to re-sign with, with the Flames, it's, ob- it's obviously going to be a really hard to keep the band together. Ufe, do you think it's it's part of it like that conversation you had about Kadrow and Kachuk? Is it is it possible that that Michael and Elias are are kind of bound like that? Where if Elias says, "Hey, I don't know that I'm going to be coming back," it could have a similar effect on on Michael's decision with Calgary. Uh, I don't have any proof of that, but but that would be my guess. Yes, because uh, obviously, I mean, we're talking about Elias uh, Lindholm. I guess the number one center and one of the most important players for the for the Calgary Flames. So of course, it, I mean Michael Backlund understands that if, if uh, Lindholm wants to leave, then then the team is going to probably, I, I suppose, really uh, lose some strength. And, and 
on to back to Michael Backlund for a quick second, because there's been a lot of noise and a lot of chatter on some articles produced out of Sweden that have made their way via translation. You were nice enough to give me the lowdown on one of them. The door here on Michael Backlund, from his perspective, isn't closed to a return to the Calgary Flames. Is that right? He's taking more of a let's get into the season and we'll wait and see what happens before he actually makes a firm decision on, on his future? Exactly. I think the one decision he has taken this far is that he's not going to resign now. He, he's taken the wait and see approach and just to wait it out and, and feel. I mean, he spoke very highly both uh, Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska when I talked to him. And I think he's uh, he's excited for the changes that that have been made in, in the front office as well as uh, on the coaching side. So I think he's. He wants to see what what these changes can lead to, and, and I mean there there are several players on the team that obviously they're hoping going to have uh, bounce back seasons. So uh, I think there's uh, still a sense of optimism there, but he he wants to wait and see and really you know really see some results before making up his mind. Calgary Flames general manager Craig Conroy had said he's going to give all the time in the world for an Elias Lindholm decision. I'm curious from your perspective, I don't know um, what you've heard or if you've had a chance to talk to any of the parties involved, but is that a similar situation to Backlund where he'd be willing to come back into training camp without a firm decision made, or do you fully expect a decision to come prior to mid-September when the team gets back together? I haven't had the chance or the opportunity to, to speak to Elias about this, but I, I would assume it's same. From what I understand, he likes it in Calgary as well, and uh, I think it's a matter of, you know, does he believe that the team can be successful uh, under this regime and, and with these players? I think that's for him as well. He, he's a bit younger, obviously, but uh, but I think that's uh, something that that's going to really be a huge influence in his decision as well. So I would assume that he has the same approach as, as Backlund. We've kind of joked here in Calgary. I don't know if you're making the same joke over over in Stockholm, but uh, it's a little Sweden over here in Calgary with Lindholm, Backlund, <laughs> Rasmus Anderson, Shillington, Markstrom. Apologies if I'm missing anyone. I'm just curious, does that help the situation surrounding Elias Lindholm specifically and in insulating him a little bit just because he has so many close friends and, and countrymen on the team already that they might be able to sway him a little bit, do you think? Yeah, to some extent, I think that's, uh, I mean, it's part of, you know, uh, feeling uh, just, I mean, just liking what what, uh, what the city has to offer, but also, I mean, being, having a great feeling in the locker room and just having, being surrounded by people that you can speak in your native language. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that, to some extent, is important. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, comes down for most players, I would assume, to winning. And uh, I think for Elias Lindholm as well, there's something that he strives for and that he wants to, to achieve in his career. So uh, we'll see about that. But I think it, it might have a tiny bit of influence. Uh, I, I know Jacob Markson can be a pretty <laughs> persistent guy, so I think that's a good sign to me. I was going to ask you specifically, pardon me, about Jacob Markstrom and maybe his influence on it, because as you mentioned, he can be a, he can be a bit of a guy that can get his influence in there. Can he not be? Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> he's very firm in his stance, so to speak. Like he uh, he knows what he likes and what he doesn't like, and I think uh, he lets everyone know. In speaking about Jacob Markstrom, what what are your expectations from for him for this upcoming season? Obviously, two seasons ago he was a runner up for the Vesna. This past season didn't necessarily go the way maybe anybody envisioned, but you know the player and you know the person. I'm just curious how much last season might have stuck with him a little bit as he looks forward to next year and sort of the expectation from a Swedish perspective on what Jacob Markstrom can do. Yeah, well, obviously it was it was a huge difference. You, you, you can't uh, lie about that. I mean, obviously I think everyone expects him to have a big bounce back season because uh, he's a very proud guy, and, and I don't know, he, he wears like, his pride on, on his sleeve. So uh, I think for him it's, it's, a, it's a matter of pride here. He, he wants to show the Flames and obviously the rest of the hockey world as well himself that he, he can be the same goalie he was two years ago uh, when he was uh, superb for the claim. So um, I think it's, I expect him to have a much better season just based on, uh, just based on that, knowing, you know, how much pride he takes in, in his performance. And, and uh, just, we all saw how, how sour he was about his own game last season. He was very uh, upfront about that. So uh, I really expect him to to be much much better. What was the reaction like back in Sweden when quotes would trickle out from Calgary across the Atlantic? And like the one that sticks out to me specifically is the "I suck at hockey right now" comment. What was the reaction back home when he's being so candid about his struggles? Well, uh, anyone over here that has followed him in his career uh, knows that he can be like that. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's always a good thing, but uh, I mean. Uh, for him, he's, he can be very candid about his own game, and I think he's been so for a long time. But I just don't know if maybe during his time in Calgary, maybe uh, this was the first time where he really sort of fell off the wagon, so to speak. So um, I wasn't too surprised. I, I know how, as I mentioned before, how proud he is, and, and I know how hard it is on him, or how hard he is on himself, rather, when uh, when his game is, is not up. Somebody who had a second consecutive sort of standout season for the Flames, Rasmus Anderson. I'm just curious. There's not there's not much necessarily to discuss about Rasmus in terms of ups or downs because he's just been trending in the proper direction for the Calgary Flames as a top pairing guy. I'm just curious in the grand scheme of Swedish hockey and that blue line, where does Rasmus Anderson fit in the conversations of best on best tournaments? and or, you know, world championship type uh, buzz should he be available next spring? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange thing because he has never, I don't think he has gained the respect he deserves uh, back here, especially considering what he's done for the past two years. I think he deserves much more respect and much more consideration in, in those uh, uh, in those uh, circumstances, in those discussions, because you have to remember, like when Rasmus Anderson uh, came up, uh, he was really, really young when he uh, he made his debut with with uh, Malmo, who was then in, in the second chair league, Hockey uh, Allsvenskan, and he was known as you know this uh, flamboyant offensive defenseman who didn't give a rat's ass about playing uh, in his own end, 
and I think that's the that's the big part about his game that he's really I mean become much more mature to a defense than I would say. It's not that you know loose cannon he used to be. He really is, I mean matured as a person, but really as a player as well, and, and you know can play the two hundred foot game. So uh, I think he should be uh, mentioned. Uh, a lot more in, in those discussions about, you know, national team and, and getting a chance to play. And I think, I mean, if, hopefully if we, we get to a World Cup or, or the Olympics where best and best can, can actually play, I, I would assume that he would be, uh, I don't want to say he's a sure shot, but I, I would assume that he would be uh, under consideration for sure. And the last player I want to ask you about, Oliver Shillington, who, of course, did not play this past season. He's going to have missed somewhere around the neighborhood of, if my math is correct on the fly, maybe 17-ish months between uh, NHL stints with the Calgary Flames. I'm just curious. You've seen the workout videos. I've seen the workout videos. From an on-ice perspective, how curious are you about what Oliver Shillington might do when he gets back in training camp with the Calgary Flames and into the season? Yeah, I'm very curious, obviously, because he had that breakout season and you thought, oh, finally, he's going to break through and, and really really take it to the next level and then just sort of disappears and no one knows where he is or why he's not playing and stuff like that. It was it was really confusing. But um, I've, uh, I've seen him practice uh, during the summer firsthand. He practiced a lot with Johnny Oduya, uh, the former NHL defenseman who's uh, probably... Uh, as ripped as, as uh, you know, a 40-plus-year-old guy can <laughs> be. And, uh, and they're really, I mean, they are really working out hard. I've, I've seen it firsthand uh, when those guys practice, and it, it's not a joke. I mean, they they basically yeah. they have this training session every Friday where they just, I mean, they puke afterwards. <laughs> they, they just walk into the woods and puke because it's, it's so demanding. And, uh, so... Um, I'm not worried about like uh, his conditioning. That, that I mean, he's he's practicing with some of the best players in, in the country in that training group, and and that's going to be fine. It's just a matter of you know uh, finding the confidence with the puck and, and doing all the things that you know that it's required of you during I mean a game. So it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Uh, I don't know what kind of uh, hope. I, I can have like that he's gonna be the same player he, he was a few years ago, but um, hopefully he can he can just uh, jump right in and, and be a force for the Flames against him. Because I really think they they missed him last season. Ufe, I greatly appreciate your time joining us today with the time change, with everything, with even a reschedule in there. Ufe Bodine joins us, head of sports media for Every Sport Group. Ufe, what do you got on the go? What can you plug here? You're on Twitter at Ufe Bodin. What else can we uh, plug for you here? No, <laughs> not much at the moment. I'm, I'm enjoying my vacation. Oh, so, no! Uh, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, not really, uh, I'm not really doing a lot of work these days. <laughs> but thanks for, for giving me the opportunity. That's the class act that you are on vacation. We can pull you off to talk about Michael Backlund, Elias Lindholm, Rasmus Anderson, Jacob Markstrom, and Oliver Shillington. Greatly appreciate it, pal. Get back to whatever adult beverage you might be consuming, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> I thank you so much for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. There we go. Uber Borden joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Great stuff there on... Uh, on everyone, every, every Swede there, uh, that stuff at the end He's on the Shillington, 
great, you know, firsthand perspective of him and Johnny Oduya. We knew they were close uh, when Oliver was breaking into the league with Calgary. Certainly sounds like conditioning isn't going to be an issue when Oliver nope. Shillington gets back to Calgary. No, and well, I know missing last year was tough for him, but I think this is the best chance for him to come back on an even playing field with everybody else, get a training camp under his belt and have the summer to train and get his mind ready for it. And uh, I just really can't wait to see what he's going to do. And uh, look, it's, it's interesting to go through everybody there. Cause you're right. Rasmus Anderson. I was curious about be... Rasmus in terms of the best on best. Not that we're on the horizon of anything close, but Ufe said it that doesn't want to call him a lock, but would be in strong consideration on that Swedish blue line, which is a, a feather in the cap of Rasmus Anderson. You always want to, it's one thing for us to sit here and, and try to project rosters for other countries and go, could this guy go? Could this guy go? Well, Ufe's in Sweden. There's nobody more plugged in than him. And to say that Rasmus Anderson, yeah, is going to get a significant look, if there was one right around the corner, I think speaks volumes. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side, uh, diving into some UFA and RFA news around the league today. Our boy Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada has been busy breaking down some RFA deals ahead of arbitration hearings over the next couple of weeks. We'll tell you who has signed for how long and how much money. We'll get into some RFA conversations around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we're rolling on here on hour one. Logan and Aaron along with you. It's okay. You can call me Vickers. Okay. Everybody else does. That's fine. I just... Was once introduced to a social gathering as Vickers. I don't know his first name. Oh. So there's that. Well. It's actually awkward when you call me Aaron. Well, okay. Fair enough. I'll remember I that. look around to see if there's another Aaron in the that's room. That's fair. We all have our our names. And literally. Literally, Vickers. we all have our names. Yeah. Uh, Cam and Taylor in the other room. As far as I'm concerned, they're fine being called Cam and Taylor. They so far, told, so good. Haven't told me otherwise. So. No, I think you're okay. They're uh, with us hanging out in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios and getting to that point of the year, Aaron, where ARB dates Ooh, yeah. are set and we're getting close. Nothing like fracturing some relationships. Yeah, nothing like walking into a room full of hockey ops people and your, your agent and yeah. you get to sit there and listen to them tell you why you're not worth as much money. As you think you are. just, And then you get to go work for them right yeah, after. Exactly, yeah. Here's why I don't think you're good. Now come give us your best. I can't imagine why those relationships never seem to work out long term. But Weird. Odd. Uh, but we are getting to that point of the year where we're getting closer to ARB dates. And once we get within a few days of, of arbitration dates, we get to see the asks of both sides. And today we've had a couple of teams avoiding arbitration and a team taking a player to arbitration, taking that first step. And that's where we'll start uh, this conversation. Our pal Elliot Friedman's been busy today. He says he's on vacation, but he really isn't. Does he ever take time off? It's July 19th. He's still uh, busy. We're a couple days away, Aaron, from... See, Aaron? See, I said Aaron. You did it again. Rangers. You know what? I didn't even notice that time, though. Yeah, You were going to get a pass there until you brought it up. Just self-reported uh, self, uh, myself there. Uh, the Leafs and their last, I think it's their last pending RFA. Sure is. Last one with Arbright's anyways, it's an for sure. important one. 
goaltender Ilya Samsonov. They're days away from meeting with the neutral arbitrator. And as such, in preparation for this, both sides have given their respective asks. And as usual, Friedman's on top of that. So heading into their arbitration case in just a couple of days, Ilya Samsonov's side has requested a $4.9 million contract, while the Leafs have responded at $2.4 million. So quick math, Vickers, gives us a two... 3.65 middle, is that what you're looking for? You're looking for the no, middle? No, I was, oh. was going to ask you to give me the difference, how far away they are. Oh, that would be 2.5. 2.5 million. I can do both. It's, I did one beforehand in the break. Even but... better. I want both. Because uh, that's generally when we get to this spot where these things wind up. As we joked about off the start, the arbitration cases aren't fun. They're a part of it. We get why they're a, a necessary evil, but it's not something... You want to go down with someone that you want to have a long-term relationship with. It's You have to call a player down in a sense and argue as to why they're not worth as much money. So generally when we get to this point and both sides have come up with an ask and it gets made public, you're right, Aaron. The middle ground is generally where we wind up here. And what's what was the middle ground number that you had for this? If my math is correct, please fact check me on the text line. And because again, math isn't a part of my no, responsibilities sorry. here, but I believe the middle ground would be three point six five million, give or take a couple hundred grand in either direction. So, yeah. So that's and look, our initial reaction to the numbers on both sides, the team always goes low in these situations, and I think the player always tends to go high because, I mean, let's be honest, you can ask for and somehow get a million dollars more than maybe you're worth in the open market, go for it. No one's going to, and by the same accord, the team's looking to save as much money as possible. But generally, these things tend to work out where the they'll meet somewhere in the middle, avoid going to the case at all, and avoid having to sort of fracture that relationship, I guess. This is a big one for the Leafs because they're in some cap struggles oh, here. yeah. They've got some money to figure out here. They need to save as much money as possible. But this is also their number one goaltender going into the year who you need to have signed up. And presumably you need to be happy. Yeah, that's what makes this even more interesting <laughs> is, is heading into the season. So how do you kind of handle it? I don't think I don't think it, I don't think the Samsonoff number was wildly off. I think it's probably a bit higher than than I'd say he's worth. But that middle number sounds on a one year contract to me sounds right about about even 3.6, 3.5 million. I'd be okay paying that if I was the Leafs. How do you see this? I don't think Samsonov's ask is is out to lunch. I don't think it's out of left field. I don't think it's a case where you're trying to raise the ceiling because you know the Leafs are coming in with the floor so you can meet in the middle. 4.9 million on a one-year deal puts him somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 22-ish amongst starters or just amongst goalies in general in the NHL right now. And the company that he would be around is pretty diverse because you're looking at names like UC Saros at $5 million. Okay, don't necessarily like that comparison. Thatcher Demko, maybe not that one. Cal Peterson, Robin Lehner, Jack Campbell, Aiden Hill, Vili Huso, Eunice Corpusalo's in at four. Spencer Knight's in there as well, but he's a bit of a, a, bit of a different case. I mean, Samsonov... 
had himself a year last year, at least in the regular season. 42 games played, 40 of them starts. He went 27-10-5 and with a 2-3-3 goals against average and a 9-19 save percentage. That 9-19 save percentage is great considering how we saw save percentages fall and shooting percentages rise in the NHL last season. So we're talking about a goalie that's going to be in the bottom third of the top 30 goalies in salary at age 26 on that 4.9 award, if he should happen to get that high. I don't think it's necessarily out of whack at all, to be perfectly honest with you. I'll be very curious to see his approach going into arbitration versus Brad Living, Shane Doan, the other four assistant GMs that the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. currently have on their roster. That's going to be... Uh, Ilya, maybe maybe skip that one if you can. If you can just uh, take a take a you know take a little mini vacation so you're not in the room because I don't mind the four point nine and I think the two point four as the team's right is, is is a low ball to try and get to a number for a team that's absolutely struggling for the cap. It's such an interesting the team conversation around it is so interesting because regardless of what the number winds up being, his importance to the team to me, is valued higher than that because he's going to be the number one goaltender on a team that, let's be honest, has Stanley Cup aspirations. In the last couple years of Tavares and Mitch Marner, we know Austin Matthews is due for a contract extension that sounds like that will get done, but it's not going to be eight years. We don't know what the future of William Nylander is past this year at $6.9 million. Bertuzzi, Domi, Klingberg, Brody, uh, Giordano, all of these guys are done after the year. It's a massive year for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're pinning a lot of your hopes that Ilya Samsonov can be a Stanley Cup winning goaltender for you. We How start? much is that way in on if you're Samsonov you're saying, look, I'm the number one guy for you. Pay me like a number one guy here, or at least closer to a number one guy. You're not going to get $8 million. You're not Vasilevsky level. But as far as importance goes, he's almost there for this Toronto team. They're not spending anything on goaltending compared to some other teams out there. And they need a goaltender to step up. And again, I thought Samsonov had a great regular season for them. Playoffs, maybe not necessarily what they were looking at. Maybe that's that's the hit. That's the tax that he's got to pay when he heads into arbitration. That's why Toronto's number is a bit lower. But you've also got Matt Murray there. And I'm curious about this because he's got a $6.25 million cap hit, if I'm not mistaken. That wasn't signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs, so not necessarily. Uh, he's got salary retained on that. He's got salary retained so on that. So he's sitting at 4.6 with the salary retained. Boy, wouldn't it look funny, just just from optics, if the guy you're, you're hoping to get to LTIR, the guy who was supposed to be Sam Sonov's partner, making more as the backup, because you think the other guy is valued better. You think the other guy gives you a better chance to win, but you're hoping to pay him almost half of what you're paying the other guy. And look, Brad Treliving, I'm sure, will will fight up and down with, with Sam Sonos Cam and say, look, I didn't make the decision to bring Matt Murray in at that number. I'm just going based right. off of what I have to work with. Right? Don't blame me. Don't shoot me the messenger. I'm dealing with somebody else's mess. Right, and, and that was a mess. The Matt Murray one was a strikeout by Kyle Dubas. It was another name that he was familiar with. Thought he could come to Toronto and have success, and he, it hasn't worked. But, I mean, you're, if you're Brad Living, you need every single penny available to you 
and especially like I just mentioned the UFA list that they have already into next year. Yep. When Matthew, uh, I don't know what Matthews is going to be at. I think it's going to be more than the eleven six he's at now. Fourteen? Does it go north of fourteen? If he says fifteen, are you saying no to it? Probably not. Top, I don't know, I don't know where that four million comes from. How much? Right? Is, how much? Is... And then you, and again, this whole situation gets repeated next year because Joseph Wall is going to be the only goaltender under contract next year for this team. Pending any trades, sure. Bradshaw Living will probably sniff around a goalie or two, I would imagine, at some point. But you're right, as it stands today, you're going to be unrestricted free agent Samsonov, if I'm not mistaken. Is that? I believe that's so. Right? Yeah. Twenty. Uh, he'll be twenty-seven. He's, yeah, he's twenty-six. Yeah. So he'll be twenty. Yeah. What a pickle! How much should he be docked for the fact that he was four and four with a three thirteen goals against and an eight ninety eight save percentage in nine starts in the playoffs? Well, he's gonna. It's gonna be significant because that's what is gonna matter, right? So, do the nine do nine playoff? It's games... almost different. Where if I'm signing Ilya Samsonov and I'm Anaheim, do I care what he did in the playoffs? Not really, because I don't know that I'm going to the playoffs with him. But if you're Toronto, and again, unless a goaltender falls into their lap or he gets hurt or it's somehow Joseph Wall's net heading into the playoffs. I, I think it matters. I think you're going to try to dock him for that all you can, right? And say, look, I, look I'd love to pay you 4.9. I really would. But we needed you a bit more last year. You know, show us this time. Show us this year that you're the guy, and we got 7x7 seven seven on the other side for you starting next season, right? But, I mean, if you're if you're going to use every chip in your hand or in your on your table to, to push a guy... And you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, so you absolutely use that. That's what that's the wins that matter to them more than the regular season wins do at this point. Right? I wonder how the player's feeling about this because regardless. Well, he's got he all has, the pressure has, on him. He, but if he has another season where he's in 233 and 919, and there's an open market, might not even be in the Toronto Maple Leafs long term plans either. I don't he might know, price himself can, out. Can they afford it? Exactly. And the goaltenders this year were not strong. No. There'll be teams looking for goaltenders into next year. There always is. It's, it's the quarterback conundrum in the NFL, right? It's the crease shuffle. You don't have one. You're looking for one. So that's an interesting scenario going on in Toronto right now. We did have a couple of players and teams avoiding arbitration today as well. Uh, Gabe Velarde is signing up with the Winnipeg Jets. Pre-arbitration settlement. Two years. At 3.435 per Elliot Friedman. Of course, he was part of the package in return for Pierre-Luc Dubois. 23-year-old from Kingston, Ontario. Finished last season 63 games, 23 goals, 41 points, and another four points in five playoff games. Obviously, the Winnipeg Jets wanted and needed to get that piece signed up. That was a key return for Pierre-Luc Dubois there. And Brett Howden. And the and the Vegas Golden Knights, excuse me, the Calgary Alberta native Brett Howden, uh, avoiding arbitration with the Golden Knights in 54 games last year, 13 points, and in 22 playoff games he had 10 points, five goals, five assists for the newest Stanley Cup champion. Um, Velarde probably the bigger story there, Vickers, because yep. I think he was probably 
the I want to say the key piece, but definitely one of the key pieces in that Pierre Luc Dubois trade. Well, to be fair, he played 63 games this year. If you extrapolate his 23 goals in 63 games, that's a 30 goal pace. It's 29.9. I did that math on the fly too. Nice. In my head, not really even well using done. a calculator. That's it's impressive. amazing. Don't ask me the points per game. Okay, fine, I won't. That that 41 in 63 is just a little bit trickier than 23 in 63 okay. for me. But that is an absolute big piece for the Winnipeg Jets. You have to think he's going to have a bigger role this year, right? He's going to have a massive role this year, and he's still a restricted free agent when this two-year deal expires. So a nice piece of work for Kevin Day off in my books. I'm very curious to see Velarde next year in a Jets jersey because I think he's one of those guys that has the ability to pop. I think he's one of those guys that I don't know how deep your, your hockey draft pools are going to be going. But if you can squeeze in... I don't even know if it's even under the radar when you project to a 30-goal pace and a 65-ish point pace. But he's a guy that I would really uh, really take a look at. I'm not going to lie. I, li- I like him. I liked him in his draft year. I like him now. Well, on a 23, losing a piece like Pierre-Luc Dubois, if you're the Jets, if you're 25 when that deal's up, you'd sure love to find a way if that pace continues. So you want to be in Winnipeg long-term? Not a lot of guys on that on that bus right now. I believe I should preface that hockey pool thing because if Hellebuck's gone, Shifley's gone, so on and so forth, maybe one, <laughs> the ice time might skyrocket Two, I mean, he's still got Nick Ehlers there. I'm not sure what else might be, might be left over. Well, it was interesting because I, I saw, I want to say it was Jay Fresh on Twitter. One of the, the analytics yeah. guys that roll out their points totals and they just did a, a random summer one and the current jet Current Jets roster projected out to like 107 points and almost a, a, like as a, a team president's the, trophy. Oh, wow. When, yeah, as far as teams constructed right now. That's assuming Shifley's there. Shining, uh, then I, there. Then I, was, I was like, okay. wow, Winnipeg at 107 points. And then I went, oh, that's right. That roster still has Shifley. That roster still has Hellebuck. And Nick Ehlers, man, he is, a, he is an incredible player. He might be one of those... I mean, I don't know how underrated he is, but he's a guy that nobody seems to talk about. Like Kyle enough. Connor's there too. Kyle Connor's another one, yeah. 47 goals, 38 goals, 31 goals, just to name a couple, right? Uh, the, the Winnipeg one's fascinating, and I, I dove into this a couple of weeks ago with Ken Weeb, and it's, it feels very Calgary-esque in a very way. Very much, yeah. Right? It's a, here's you know, this key piece and no real way of replacing him. He kind of wants out. What are you going to do, right? What's the package look like for Connor Hellebuck? Because there's no Connor Hellebuck replacement coming your way, right? And same with Mark. If Mark Shifley wants out when he's 30 years old, you got to move him. You can't lose him for nothing. Well, I mean, it would be the conversation of... Be great if everyone was there, but everyone's not going to be there. Dubois, Hellebuck, Shifley versus Lindholm, Backlund, Hannafin, Toffoli. Yeah, that's the that's the debate. That's the argument in terms of. And you can throw Dubois in there too. Yeah, I did. I not have him off the hop there. I don't know if you did. Dubois, Shifley, Hellebuck were the three. I guess you could include Blake Wheeler. I guess to a certain degree, not so much. Uh, yeah, a sure. situation Same. where you're like, yeah. ooh, fair enough. Though. But there you go. If you want to go a four on four game, that's yeah, uh, who, that's tough for Shovel Dayov. That's who gets, tough for Craig. Who Conley. gets what back? Who gets you know who remains competitive? I think both teams probably want to be in that competitive category again next year, given who they already have signed, yep. but 
Yeah. And usually the Velarde one, though, I'm with you. Nice piece of work there. Uh, Howden's good one for Vegas. And we did have one free agent sign today, Tomas Nosek. One year, $1 million deal for him with the New Jersey Devils. Speaking of Tyler Toffoli's new team, uh, they had a interesting bottom six piece to their roster. Not going to dive too much into Tomas Nosek, but... You don't want to get into his seven goals and 11 assists for 18 points? Yeah, Coming okay. off a two-year, $3.5 million deal? I think I'm okay. with Boston? Yeah, that's all right. Maybe next time. 30-year-old began his career with the Detroit Red Wings in He missed out on our top free agent list yesterday, so... For forwards, I mean least. that's just a glaring omission from us. That's, clearly, that's on us. Clearly, me specifically. Fifty-nine we'll points in three hundred ninety-eight career NHL regular season games. Yeah, I think we've talked enough about him. We'll uh, continue. By the way, a little bit later on, we'll get into our top remaining free agent defenseman. Not necessarily a stacked class once again, but we did I mean, forwards there's, yesterday. There's one I'd be very curious about. Flames fifth. Spoiler alert. Flames no spoiler alert. General... Teaser, we'll call that. Flames. Well, uh, no inside info there. I don't want to misrepresent no, no. myself. Well, but interesting, sure. Yeah, we'll stick with that. Uh, that wraps up hour one. As we get into hour two, Haley Salvian's going to join us. Hockey Central nine sixty host. Know your lover. Our best remaining free agents. NHL free agent defenseman. Uh, Stamps report with Patty Dumont. Jay's report with Taylor's coming. And uh, we'll also chat with Nick Lewis before the show is out. It is Sportsnet today. Aaron, Aaron Vickers and Logan Gordon along with you here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.